perfectly aged whiskey and a fine cigar. Paired with the camaraderie of friends, these two things capture the elegance and sophistication of a true gentleman. This is the Whiskey Smoke with Iwante Curry, a show that celebrates whiskeys, cigars, and the lifestyle that goes with it. Visit thewhiskeysmoke.com and follow the Whiskey Smoke on Instagram. The Whiskey Smoke with your host, Iwante Curry. Hey everybody, welcome again to the Whiskey Smoke. Today I have with me Jesse Wood, all around whiskey nerd, whiskey enthusiast, <laughs> former brand ambassador William Grandsons, cigar smoker, all around good guy. Hey, thanks man. No problem, cheers Jesse. Yeah, cheers. So, why whiskey? Mm. So I guess I got into whiskey about 11 years ago and... Uh, there's just so much. Where do I begin? Um, history is one thing I really, really like about it. You know, the history of uh, this spirit is so fascinating. And everybody all over the world drinks it. You've got you know, so many different uh, kinds. You've got Irish, Scotch, Canadian, bourbon here in America, American rye. And single malts made all over in different countries like Japan and whatnot. And so just uh that also gives you a, a tremendous variety and i really really like the variety in whiskey and there's a there's a whiskey for every occasion every day every mood and uh i just because i've been doing it for 11 years i mean like hardcore and i just never get tired of it you've brought a couple selections today tell me about those okay what i got here is um compass box spice tree extravaganza uh compass box of course is started by a guy named um John Glaser, he used to work for uh, Johnny Walker, and now he branched off and he's makes he's makes his own whiskey now and in Scotland, like an independent bottler. But he'll go out and um, source whiskey from all these different warehouses and come back. and The dude is an amazing blender, and he when he whips up something, it's usually really really good. And this one here, uh, if you want to pour yourself some, oh, sure, have a sip. Um, it's uh, a limited edition of his core range uh, spice tree. And what's interesting is when spice tree first came out, the Scotch Whiskey Association uh, made him take it off the market. And why, would, why did they do that? Uh, it was the uh, maturation. He had he was aging it in American oak barrels, ex bourbon cask, which most Scotches aged in nowadays. But he was putting French oak staves inside of the barrel. And they were considering that an additive, and they said, "No, no, no, you can't do that." So he took it off the market, and then he got his Coopers, the barrel barrel makers, to uh, be able to work that French oak and American oak and have alternating staves. He calls it a hybrid cast now, and now that's what he uses. So he doesn't have to put anything inside the barrel. He has both kinds of wood inside each, uh, with each barrel. That's brilliant. Yeah, and uh, this one, this is a 10th anniversary uh, release, and when they usually come out with a limited edition, it's like their normal offering but just amped up it's a lot richer it's got a lot more uh character and it's just uh it's delicious we had a little bit of this before we started taping and it's just it's just amazing you were talking about how it's just a perfect fall drink and i totally agree with you i mean yeah. it just gets you in that season right hard to stop drinking that oh yes it is it's <laughs> definitely hard to stop drinking it i see uh it's got great legs on it as well yeah It 
appears that you have an affinity towards scotch. Uh, would that would you say that's your passion in whiskey, or you know? Yes, I like all whiskey, uh, any good whiskey, and even had some Tasmanian whiskey that just absolutely knocked my socks off. But I do have an affinity for scotch. I always tend to go back to scotch, and uh, it once again just within the scotch uh, category, you've got a tremendous variety from the peaty whiskeys all the way to the heavily sherried whiskeys to the seaside whiskeys to the really sweet floral lowland whiskeys you know you just you have it all so on the island what's your favorite scotch if i had to pick uh, um talisker oh it'd be uh for me old Putney wick i love it you know, oh salty yeah briny it's amazing yeah that's a that's a good one i've got my wife turned on to that one right now oh, nice. that's her favorite so since we're talking scotch now and we are speaking to people who are listening for the first time and you want to get them into scotch. How would you start them? Wow. Um, that goes back to, you know, when I first got into this, you know, I was that lone guy, didn't have any body. No, there was no social media activity to, to really go to. So there wasn't specs buying a different bottle each time. But, you know, you go to specs, you buy 12 different bottles and half of them you're probably not going to like. Or you may end up not liking, and then it's money wasted. So what I recommend is a good place to start is social media. Look for scotch groups. Look for whiskey groups. Um, You get a lot of good advice, and you get a lot of... Not so good. Yeah, knuckleheads in there that kind of razzy or whatever, but just ignore that. Um, But the one thing you don't get is you don't get to actually taste it. You know, uh, but then you can uh, try to find a whiskey group. Try to find uh, people that are into it, and that's how I met friends here. You know, uh, we got into this kind of started this little informal group of friends, and we take our bottles to each other's houses and try different things. And that's where I really, really started to expand my palate and figure out what I really liked and everything. Uh, another thing you do is just go to a bar. Yeah, you know, uh, go to a bar and buy a pour this, pour that. It's a little more expensive, but, you know, at least it's not as expensive as buying a bottle. Right. You don't have that much of an investment. You know, yeah. if you don't like it, you know, that's it. Buy the whole bottle and now you're stuck with it. Yeah. Another uh, thing that you can do and <laughs> you got to be careful with is uh, going to these uh, whiskey events. Oh, yeah. You got, I'm like, very familiar. The whiskey extravaganza and whiskeys of the world and events like that that come through. And uh, But you got to be real careful with those because you are limited to probably about three to four hours tops and you want to try you got access to probably what 70 different whiskeys at a lot of these yeah. shows i remember the first one i went to <laughs> it's overwhelming huh? i got wrecked i yeah. got absolutely wrecked and uh i told myself at the beginning of the show i'm only going to try whiskeys i've never tried before and i was really really you know i just got into it and really was getting my legs under me and I'm like, I want to explore and try all these different whiskeys, but I'm not going to try the ones I've, I've, I've had before. I'm just going to, that way I won't overdo it. And of course, we're friends with some of the reps here. So the first table I'll go to is like the Abelauer table. And there's Craig Vaught. And he's like, hey, guys, you know, why don't you try the new um, Abelauer Abuna? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've already had that. What's well, a new batch? Have you had the new batch? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Would you like some? Yeah. And it's a cast strength whiskey. So right out of the gate, I'm drinking a cast strength whiskey. And you get around to the back around by the Glenmorangie table. And I think back then the new private edition was the Artane. Hmm. And that's all I wanted to try, the Artane. But I'm sitting there waiting in line. You know, there's people in the t- at the table. And I'm off to the side. And one of the girls and smiles at me and says, Would you like some Signet? I've already had Signet, but I'm like, 
Okay, because you know it's so damn good. How yeah. do you turn Signet down? Right. You know? So you just have to you have to pace yourself. Right, and that's I would I would definitely tell someone who's new to going to events. Try picking off maybe five or six whiskeys off a list and stick to that because yeah. any more than that, you go in there and then you class out in no time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, I actually, the end of the night, fast forward into the night, I, I blacked out in a bathroom at a bar. <laughs> so Hey, it happens, man. You know? <laughs> Everybody wants to get their money's work when you go to an event because the, the last thing you want to do is go in there and then you spent your money and then you feel like you've left and you don't. You didn't get your money's worth. So I can see why so many people go in and try to sample as many as possible. Yeah. But I think you have to have some kind of, you know, method of knowing how many you've had because I've seen that seen too many times at events where people just go from table to table, pick up something, dump it, drink it, pick up something, dump it, yeah. drink it. And then they repeat the cycle until they've made their way like almost through the entire place. And 30 minutes in, you can make a lot of whiskey go away in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that that list or some kind of way to just say, okay, I've had six already. It's only been five minutes. You know, this show's got two and a half more hours to go, mm-hmm. you know, before you just, you know. And thank God for Uber. You know? <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a big thing. Even if you're going out with uh, some friends or going to a bar, going to a whiskey club meeting, whatever, do not drive. Right. It would be responsible, you know. Never, never a good idea. But um, also, at the, one more thing about the uh, events is uh, it's a good idea about the list and try to find out where these whiskeys are because these events are real popular and whiskeys run out right. pretty quick. Right. And if you know, by the time you work your way around to this one table, oh, we're problem. out. Yeah, we're the gone. Good stuff is going in the yeah. first 20 minutes, you know. But then once you start finding the whiskey that you like, um, Enjoy it, you know, yeah. buy it, enjoy it. And it's, you get, people tend to get more active on social media once they start learning about things. Hey, guys, look what I just bought. I bought this bottle. And inevitably, you're going to get the snobs. Yeah, the snobs are going to say, oh, my God, look at that. You know, you, you loser, you, knew, you know, you, you noob. But they figure they've never been new before. Exactly. They put that out there and they forgot, okay, well, social media probably didn't exist when I was a newbie. Yeah. But, you know, never want to. Take a dump on someone else's whiskey walk. It's absolutely, and don't let anybody take a dump on your whiskey. You know, and, and drink it, uh, drink what you like, and drink it how you like it. You know, right. on the rocks with a little water. Yeah. If you want to mix Coke or a heavy sweet mixer with your whiskey, the only thing I would recommend is don't spend too much money, right? Because uh, you don't want to spend you know three hundred dollars on a bottle of whiskey and mix it with Coke. <laughs> right, that's true. It's I mean you can if you got the the, the means, but you know. You're not really going to taste the whiskey. Right. You're really missing it. That's what it's all about, tasting the notes in the whiskey. You know, with social media, we talked about that just a second ago. I think social media is great for bringing people together that don't know much about whiskey. But it has to be, you know, I guess filtered in a way. Because, say, for instance, I got on social media and I knew nothing about whiskey. But I wanted to meet a group of people who were just like me. Mm. And I wanted to grow all of our knowledge at one time. So, you know, I think social media is good for that because one of the groups that we're in, it has people that are new to whiskey, but, you know, they're willing to learn and, you know, they're just cool people. So I think that's a great thing. And how do you uh, how do you recommend people get started and stuff like that? Well, a lot of times it's going to be trial and error, you know, like trying whiskey. You're going to be trying different ones and you just feel out the ones you like. You're going to meet a lot of people. And uh, you're going to have, a, you know, whiskey always makes everyone get, get yeah. along. But, you know, you're going to have some people that just uh, don't maybe mesh 
well with your personality and you know uh, and you can find people that just they're like brothers and sisters you know and you just want to hang out with them all the time so it's just uh, going out there and, and trying trying different things you know i just recommend everybody just don't be a jerk yeah don't be a snob you know it's uh uh, it's not, it seems like human nature to some people. It just they want to show off, or they want to just, uh, hey, look, look, how much more I know than you. And it's like, don't, why? Yeah, you know, I, I think being cool is just pouring someone in some liquor and saying, hey, look, I had this, I like this, I like to share it with you. You tell me what you think. If you don't like it, that's cool. But I thought enough of you to share it. Right, yeah. right. That's or you know, like I said, like, talking about the history earlier, or kind of going to describing the the process behind it and everything and i'm such a nerd that uh sometimes i'll, I'll get going and i can look at people and they're kind of their eyes start to glaze over a little bit and i'm like oh crap i think i'm going too far <laughs> <You know? laughs> i nerd out too it's like yeah. man some of the stories about how this whiskey was created and why it was created you know like uh there are stories where a barrel was lost in one warehouse then they put it in another warehouse and then mm. they found out it was in this warehouse and they decided to move it again and before you know it it's a special bottling i mean i love stories like that yeah but you know i guess we'll talk more about that in the next segment Stick with us, folks. We'll be back with Jesse Wood, avid whiskey enthusiast. Get more whiskey and cigar news, trends, reviews, and more at thewhiskeysmoke.com. And follow us on Instagram at thewhiskeysmoke. Pour yourself another. We'll be right back. The Whiskey Smoke with Yuante Curry, brought to you by El Cubano Cigars. Blended by Cubans, handmade in Texas. Find your favorite smoke at El Cubano. 904 East Main Street, League City, Texas. Family owned and operated, El Cubano, blended by Cubans, handmade in Texas. We're back to the Whiskey Smoke with Yuante Curry on Vinyl Draft Radio. Welcome back to the Whiskey Smoke. I'm still here with Jesse, and we're just enjoying this delightful compass box. Or we were on break, we were talking about vintage whiskeys and, you know, where if you want to get vintage whiskey as a as a whiskey enthusiast, where would you start? Ooh, that's a that, that's a good question because um, whiskey's been so popular, you know, we're in the kind of a, in the big whiskey boom right now, you know, interest has never been higher. But consequently, you've got a lot of people collecting these things and they're getting just really, really hard to find. And when you do find these uh older bottles of scotch or more quote-unquote valuable bottles uh they the price is outrageous and that goes for bourbon too especially here in america bourbons have just gone nuts right but um where to find uh, i usually me personally i buy 99 percent of my stuff through the liquor stores okay and um i rarely shop online i will buy things from overseas uh, a couple stores in the uk will ship over here uh the whiskey exchange is one i use most but uh auction sites uh Sotheby's. well and there there are online auction sites that i know uh people that we know have good luck with them mm-hmm. and they get a lot of stuff in over there but me personally i don't have any experience with this so i don't i don't know i can't really speak for that but uh you can do that online and everything, but um, and there's always these uh, secondary market Facebook pages and whatnot. But that you have to be really, really, really careful because yeah. with this tremendous interest in, in whiskey and all the money going around, all the uh, high dollars being paid for some of these bottles, you're going to have your counterfeiters coming right. out. And there's a lot of counterfeiting going on. So how do you tell if you've got a counterfeit bottle? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's kind of hard to authenticate some of the stuff because there yeah. weren't laser codes and such back then, you know. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I've seen online where people refill old bottles and, you know, they have these machines now that can put plastic around it. So yeah. you have to be very, very careful. So those of you who are interested in getting into vintage whiskeys and things of that nature, just be careful. Know your source, where you're getting it from, and, you know, make sure their reputation is solid. But once you do find something that's vintage, you know, Tell us what you think about it. For me, when I find a vintage whiskey, I wonder what's different about this whiskey than what's on the market now. You know, I often find myself thinking that the water back then was cleaner, you know, <laughs> than it is today. I could be wrong. You know, we have reverse osmosis and all this good stuff, these water filtering things. But, you know, if they used all natural water and, you know, uh, we got this water from the river and we sourced it from such and such, it came from this and we boiled it. I don't know how all that works, but <laughs> I just wonder if that, that process was different where, you know, there weren't machines doing some of the things that we have doing now. You know, there was no machine where you could just go and line up 10 bottles at a time and fill them all up. They were hand-filled and things like that. Does that make a difference in the process? Well, I know, like with scotch especially, uh, the water sources don't change a lot of times. I mean, like on uh, Isla really peaty scotches you know you've got the water source is actually going through peat bogs you know and the water is actually picking up some brown notes but no it's i don't think that has a whole lot to do with it i think a lot of what makes a difference is well a couple of things one is the time period you know with uh, supply and demand you've got uh, a lot of different things going on within the uh, distilleries the distilleries because whiskey has to be aged they're always behind the curve Let's think about this. You know, you want to, you and I are going to open up a distillery. Right. And we're going to make a scotch or a single malt, and we're going to age it for 10 years, which is a relatively young uh, whiskey for scotch. And uh, so we're making a product starting today, but we can't sell it for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. 10 years behind the curve. So when the demand shoots up, we can't meet it. Right. You know, we're 10 years behind. And that's what's happening with these aged spirits, you know, and that's why everyone's ramped up production. But then when the, the, the demand will eventually fall off, it's a cycle. The public's fickle, you know, they, mm -hmm. they like uh, fads. And when this loses its cool coolness, you know, the, the demand will drop off. And then you got this 10-year supply that's, you know, out there and that's going to eventually find a way, find its way in you know, the shelves. And then you're kind of looking at a glut at that point, you know. Right. But when the demand is at the highest, they really start using up all their whiskey in the warehouse to try to meet demand to get the bottles on the shelves. Like, that's what's happening right now. So um, when you have, a, when you have a, a whiskey with an age statement, that represents the youngest whiskey in the bottle. And let's dial it back about 20 years ago when there wasn't that much interest. They're making an 18-year-old scotch, and they may be putting whiskey in there that's 20 years old or 22 years because they've got so much whiskey in the warehouse from the, the, the previous glut. So there's more older whiskeys available. There's an abundance of it, so you're going to get that will find its way into the bottle. And uh, nowadays when things are so tight, you're just going to – 18 years, that's going to be it you know, for that 18-year-old offering. So I think that has something to do with it, me personally, in my opinion. Another thing is when you buy an older bottle, I think that whiskey does slowly but surely change in the bottle. It doesn't age. That's debatable because I've, I've heard people say, you know, say something different. Like some people say, well, you know, it may not change because it's corked and no air is getting in there. And then I've heard some other people say the air that's in there actually changes it. You know, so 
but I'm, I'm talking about decades. Okay, okay. A long time. Yeah. Is it going to change in five years? No, probably not. Ten years? Probably not. Yeah. If you do keep a bottle of whiskey for a long time and you keep it in direct sunlight or direct light and around a, in, in relatively warm temperatures, yeah, it's going to change, but not, not for the better. Right. It's going to turn. It's going to taste like crap. And right. never, ever store a corked bottle on its side. Not like it wine. Leak. Not only that, but that uh, high alcohol content will eat that cork, and it'll ruin the flavor of the whiskey. Yeah. You'll just end up pouring it down the drain. So what do you think about, like, paraffin M to wrap your, your bottle to keep it from, you know, having loss if you plan on aging? I found that keeping it, and I've got bottles that I've had for, you know, 11 years and haven't opened them, and I've got no loss, but keep it stored in a nice, cool, dark place, and you usually don't have any problems. Cool. I don't at least, so. Well, I've had my share of vintage bottles, open them, and then the cork disintegrates, and, <laughs> you know, through some kind of crafty magic, I figure out how to fish out the cork, and, you know, That's I always, always keep all of my, my corks just in case, because different bottles have different sizes, so you just take a cork that you've had from another bottle and recork it, but I found that with vintage whiskey, there's like a, it, it tastes older to me. I don't know if that's a thing, but it, it, there's a distinct taste in older whiskeys that I don't find in whiskeys that are on the market today. Maybe we can talk about this later. You know, we can we can do a comparison and contrast, but there's a distinct taste. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but, you know. No, there's definitely something to that. Um, I was over at a friend's house one time for a, it was a bourbon get together. And to this day, I think it's the most memorable bourbon I've ever had. It was uh, an old Forester four-year-old bourbon yeah no big deal right four-year-old bourbon but the distillation and bottling date was like 1948 to 1952 and the bottle was immaculate so where he got this bottle from it was stored in like a basement in the box you know he bought the whole case and um he brought it to the get-together, and I looked at that thing I said oh my god are we drinking that and he said boom he popped it open I said yeah have a class I'm like oh my god that was the most amazing bourbon I ever had wow and I don't know, psychologically, there may be something going on when you know what you're drinking. Mm -hmm. You know, if we did it blind, I don't know if I'd have the same reaction, but so what? (laughs) It was 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 an amazing experience. It's all about the moment. Yeah, yeah. Another friend uh, went over to his house one time, and he had a bottle of Dimple Pinch, blended scotch, bottled in 1939, and that was just superb. And it really amazed me how vibrant it still was, Mm -hmm. how it was peaty, because back then they had a lot more peat in their uh, blends so um but yeah you never forget those pores yeah yeah it's really special you know and it's always like the camaraderie and experience with you know in the whiskey and cigar life that when someone shares something with you you all it almost burns that memory into your mind forever like i remember on this day at this time we were just joking around and this guy pulls out this bottle and he uncorked it and he poured me a glass and i was just floored yeah. You know, I mean, you've done it to me several times, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's a memory maker for sure. Um, and that's ultimately what all this is about. Not just whiskey, but all spirits and beer, wine, cigars. It's to make life enjoyable. And that's what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Going back to people on the collector's market, though, you, have, you do have those people that um, treat these bottles like investments. Right. Liquid assets. Yeah. And... Um, a lot of people that don't even drink, they're going to buy a high dollar bottle of scotch and they're going to put it in their 
safe or up on their shelf and it's never going to be touched and they're just going to keep it like an investment and I, I well, that's a sad. gamble that that's a gamble too because it may never take off you it, know it may it could lose its value but um it's sad because you know it's like that's so my god it's meant to be open and drank you right know? it's uh it's kind of a waste i think yeah but you know people got money they can do what they want with it you know but uh me i i like to uh I like open. to share. I like yeah. to open my whiskey. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason to have something and just, you know, have it, in my opinion. You know, others were different. But in my opinion, there's no reason to have something that you're never going to drink. You know, I can understand if it's something that you got as an heirloom or something like that from a person that's they've gone now. But at some point, there's going to be an occasion where I think you should open that bottle. You know, yeah. I got a promotion. You know, I got married. I got divorced. You know, <laughs> whatever the case may be, you know, you open that bottle and you celebrate it and you bring someone over and say, hey, man, this is for this occasion. Thanks for being here with me, you know? Yeah. And if it's a special bottle, I mean, I drink a little bit out of it at a time. And that's one thing about I've got, oh, I've got too many bottles of whiskey. Well, I shouldn't say too many. I've got a lot of bottles of whiskey at home, but, uh, it drives my wife crazy because I'm opening up all these whiskeys. And she goes, oh, my God, you got like, do you know how many open bottles of whiskey you got? I don't know, a couple dozen, you know. She's like, no, I count them. They're like over 100. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, That's an excellent problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, uh, I don't drink them all at once. I don't pop open a bottle and just kill it. I try a little bit of this. I go to, go to this one. I go to that one. I go to that one. And what, like I said earlier, you know, I like the variety. So I'm in the mood for this right now. Now I'm going to work my way back over here. And now I don't feel like drinking peated scotch. I want to drink some Japanese whiskey. I want to drink some bourbon. I got all these bottles to go to, you know, and I don't drink them all at once. And that speaks to your affinity and, you know, anyone's affinity who's a, who appreciates whiskey. There's no one particular whiskey that you're going to have all the time. You know, you're going to skip around. You're going to dabble here, dabble there. Because, like you said, there's a mood for every whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then you get into cigars. I guess we'll get into cigars next segment, aren't we? Yeah, sounds good to me. So coming up on the next segment, guys, we'll talk cigars and whiskey with Jesse Wood. Hang on while we refill our glass. You're listening to The Whiskey Smoke on Vinyl Draft Radio. The Whiskey Smoke with Yuante Curry is brought to you by El Cubano Cigars, League City. Go to ElCubanoCigars.com or call 281 332 9096 Smooth like a nicely aged bourbon We're back to the whiskey smoke on Vinyl Draft Radio Welcome back to the whiskey smoke I'm your host Yuante and still with Jesse and we're going to talk about cigars and whiskey I have this Highland Park here and even if you don't drink I'm I'm I got to put my whiskey and cigar voice on. Even if you don't drink that sound that you just made when you popped it open, it's it's like a great sound. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great sound. Yep. Nice. Uh, let's cheers, man. Cheers, man. And what we got here is a this is a Highland Park. Uh, this is actually a single cask offering that Total Wine has, and uh, this one's a bit of a, a beast uh the alcohol content 61.3 abv so it's 122.6 proof and uh so it's a bruiser yeah but my god highland park's an island whiskey so what i love about highland park is you've got peat but you also have the a lot of good sherry aging 
marrying peated whiskey with sherry aging is you got to know what you're doing. And some distilleries do it really well, some not so well. And Highland Park's one of the best. And this one here is just a like concentrated Highland Park. All that's good about Highland Park's in this bottle. The nose on this thing is just immaculate. I mean, the mm. nose, the legs, I mean, everything about it, just the color, the downright color of this thing is just amazing. It makes me wonder what cigar would pair well with this, you know, because it tastes incredible, it looks incredible, and I just would love to see, you know, a so, cigar pairing. Yeah, so with this one, uh, definitely you want a full-flavored cigar. Maybe not necessarily full strength, but full strength, full-flavored up to medium, up up to full strength, would go perfectly with this. But, you know, it's got some softness to it, so I think you could uh, get away with a milder cigar, but just something with a rich flavor. Okay. A lot of complexity, because this is very complex whiskey, so. Yes, this is. I could see myself enjoying an Ashton, you know, or or Fuente with this. This is pretty good. Ashton VSG would be perfect. Yeah. Um, Now, that's the thing, too. I I get asked that a lot because I'm I'm into cigars as well. Hey, Jesse, well, you know, recommend some pairings. And I was like, wow. You know, it's kind of like, I can recommend some scotches to you, and you can go out and you can buy the scotches I recommend, and you're going to like only so many of them. Mm-hmm. You might like all of them. You may hate all of them. I don't know. It's Everyone's palate's different. When you mix in cigars and whiskey, now you're really making it difficult because everyone's going to have a different experience with, with that, and uh, cigars and whiskey do alter the flavor. Right. And once again, your palate's going to react differently with the cigar smoke and the whiskey. So a lot of times I won't give people specific pairings and i can tell you what i'm smoking what i'm drinking you can try it but what i do recommend is just i kind of keep it simple i like you know if if it's a stronger whiskey or complex whiskey you kind of want a stronger cigar if it's a lighter softer whiskey you don't want like a full board you know full flavored cigar it's going to overpower the whiskey you know my 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 uh i guess rule of thumb with cigars and whiskey is it's something sim- something similar to this. Like sometimes, uh, if it's the darker the the whiskey, the lighter the cigar. The lighter the cigar, I mean, the darker the cigar, the lighter the whiskey. And I've always found that that works for me. Now I'm no scientist on it, but you know, so far so good. I hadn't had any bad experiences. You know, just almost like a total opposite. You know, I've I've also had a situation where I didn't have any lighter cigars and I had a high proof whiskey and a double. Maduro cigar and it just turned out great so yeah you know it made me question my rule of thumb with the opposites but you know it's all personal preference from what I think right and just a lot of it's just uh I'll just grab a cigar that I like that I'm in the mood for yeah once again you know like uh you want something smoother or softer you're going to go for uh you know whatever is your favorite brand um, brain's kind of taking a dump right now but um or if you want to go something a little stronger spicier like an Opus X yeah. you know um or uh, Liga Provider or something like that, something you know, more full bore. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm in that mood, obviously my whiskey's going to be, you know, medium to full full power too. Mm-hmm. That's just me though. But yeah, you can try different things. And, and I've been completely shocked. I've just grabbed a cigar, grabbed some whiskey, and sitting there smoking. I'll take a puff, let the smoke come out of my mouth. As I'm enjoying that finish, take a sip of whiskey and just go, whoa. Right. What just happened? Right. Or vice versa, let the finish of the whiskey hit and then take a puff of the cigar and like, my God, this is like magic. 
you weren't it was just by accident right so yeah, i mean we hung out several times and we started out with one whiskey but the cigar remained the same and yeah. you know you found that no one ever put their cigar down after they changed whiskey so i haven't found that it's a science to it i just think it's personal preference and it's a lot about the company you're in your surroundings mm-hmm. i mean like if you were good people and you're having a good time, I've never seen someone say, hey, look, this cigar is not going well with what we're doing right now. And let's switch up the cigars and switch up the drinks. I think, you know, it's all about the moment. Right. Uh, one thing I have noticed, uh, going back to whiskey now, is uh, people talk about, you know, the whiskey, your palate changes every day. And it depends on what you eat that day. And if you're drinking the same whiskey, you know, two or three days in, in a row, it's going to taste slightly different. But more so than that, what I've noticed is that it depends on what other whiskeys you're drinking. Because I rarely just drink one whiskey. I'm usually drinking three or four different whiskeys. Right. You know, I'm carrying bags around, yeah. <laughs> pulling crap out of my car. I, just, uh, I, I always carry so many bottles of whiskey around with me. But I've noticed that when I will drink whiskeys in a certain order, it will greatly affect Your the, palate. the flavor of that whiskey. Yeah. And the most shocking example was, uh, of that was... Uh, Hibiki 17, which yeah, is... Yeah, we did that that night, yeah. Hibiki 17 is one of my all-time favorite blends. And it's a Japanese whiskey, but it's made in the Scotch style. So I mean, it's kind of like a Scotch blend, but it's not Scotch. But uh, I always, always, always love Hibiki 17. Well, one time I went out to a, a gallery, and I was introducing the people. They were relatively new to whiskey, and I just brought a little sampling, like six bottles. I thought I'd start with a little grain. Compass Box made this amazing limited edition uh, offering of their hedonism called Quindecimus. It was just like creme brulee in a glass. It's just unbelievably sweet and creamy. Thought we start with that. You know, it's a grain, blended grain. So we'll start with something light. Then we'll move into a blended whiskey. You know, we'll go to the Biki 17. So we all drank the the hedonism quindecimus, and everybody loved it. And then when I poured the Hibiki 17, my God, I've never, ever experienced this before. It tasted like Johnny Walker Red. Wow. It tasted it like. It took it down. It totally took it down and everybody was kind of making a face like oh this isn't this isn't as good and i'm thinking yeah it's not i'm thinking what what happened to this bottle you know did somebody swap it out or something you know but no it was just when you drink different whiskeys in a particular order you mean i I recommend people try that you know this goes back to what we were talking about about the shows i mean when you go to a show Mm -hmm. you know you got to know where you're going because if this is happening, you know, and you're you're showing people that have not really been experienced to whiskey, and they're thinking that a, a great whiskey is now tasting not so good, then right. maybe when you get to a show and you're thinking about what you want to try, you might want to kind of be sure that you don't start with a peaty whiskey and then go to a non-peat or something like that. Right. If you start with peat, the peat's going to stay with you. You know, that's that's one of the one-on-one rules of Scotch. You know, just don't start with peat. It always end the night with peated whiskey if you like peat. But more so than that, I'm mean, talking about just like whiskeys within the same uh, style, like right. sherried whiskeys or peated whiskeys. If you drink them in different orders, sometimes it, it has a big, big difference. I recommend people try that. Experiment with it. You know, yeah. Try six different whiskeys or, or four or you know, however many you want to try in one night. Try them in a particular order and see what you like. Maybe take a little tasting notes or just... And get a good preference together, too, so you can compare and contrast what you experienced with what they experienced. Sure. Because everyone's going to have something different. That's one thing I've noticed with whiskey. Everyone thinks certain... I may grab a glass and pick it up and know something and I smell something and Jesse doesn't. So it all depends on, you know what the group thinks you know well what you right. think or whatever and, and compared to what the people in the group think and you all grow together yeah
the whiskey smoke with Yuante Curry. Pour yourself another. Today I have with me Jesse Wood, all around whiskey nerd, whiskey enthusiast, <laughs> former brand ambassador William Grandsons. Piece of advice I always give people, especially at these uh, scotch tastings, when I was working for William Grant, uh, we would, I encountered this a lot. Your first pour of whiskey on the day, if you're going to sit there and seriously uh, try to grade some whiskeys, you got to start with just a simple light whiskey just to shock the palate, to acclimate yourself to the whiskey. Because you're drinking, you know, liquor. Mm-hmm. Your first pour is going to be, have a little pop to it. You want to just kind of get past that. You know, grab you like a Glenmo, a Glenmorangie 10 year old or something, and just kind of get you primed. Mm-hmm. Then go into it. Um, I'd be tasting whiskeys at, at events and everything, and, and we'd st- I start them off with something really rich and light and move on to other things and work our way up. And sometimes the ABV would even go up and they would swear up and down that first, oh, that first one, man, that was really rough. And I started realizing, oh, it's because it was their first drink. Right. I said, do me a favor, go back, I'm gonna give you a little bit, a small pour, try that first one again, now that you've tried these other ones. And uh, they do so and they're like, oh, wow, this tastes different, this is really good. So, wow. so um, starting to build it. Yeah, yeah, always, uh, if you're gonna do a serious tasting, uh, you know, kickstart your, the old motor going, you know. And speaking of tasting, I like to chew on my whiskey. Mm. Well, how, how do you sample? I mean. I roll it around my tongue a little bit. Um, the palate is kind of like, um, I don't spend a whole lot of time with the palate. My favorite is the finish. Okay. I love the finish. And uh, that's where I just sit there and savor all the aromas and everything. You just let your sinuses fill up with that. The, the vapors and everything, and uh, that's my absolute favorite part. So speaking of finish, like for me, when I enjoy the finish, I kind of like blow across my palate and then inhale back, and then I get to pick up a few more notes. Mm. Yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I just kind of slowly let you let it pour out. Okay. I kind of have my mouth open a little bit, and I don't suck anything back in. I just kind of let it slowly waft out. And then when you just kind of stop and hold your breath a little bit, you just let that vapor linger in your sinuses you can sit there and enjoy that that's cool what? yeah i just did what you said that's pretty cool i've never done that before i'm gonna have to try that again just let it sit yeah mm-hmm. mm. yeah yeah and you, i could pick up a little more peat on the finish when i do that yes yeah absolutely peat really comes through on the finish uh remember the first time i tried a brooklady octomore was when we went to scotland for the first time and uh we were actually at the distillery and I didn't. All I knew about Octomore was it was a super heavily peated whiskey, and I thought this is this is a gimmick whiskey, you know. And they had it open. They said, "You want to try it?" Sure, I'll try it. You know, I'm thinking, "Okay, here we go." And I nosed it. And this was the uh, 2.2 Orpheus, which was finished in Chateau Petrus Porto wine cask. So it's it was something really special. I didn't realize what I had in my hand, and uh, nosed it. And I'm just it was so sweet, very very soft peat. I'm thinking, this is a peat monster. What the hell? Took a sip, got it on my tongue, incredible sweetness. That wine finish, that just, it was amazing. Then I swallowed. Then a peat freight train oh, came wow. through my sinuses, and it nice. was just like, whoa, whoa. So, yeah, peat, you always get the peat on the finish more than anything. This is very rich. Yeah, this is a great one. I mean, uh, as, as strong as it is, it's... Uh, God, the flavors on this thing is incredible. Again, for those of you who are listening, this is the Highland Park Single Cast Total Wine Series, uh, the Heliolon. It's limited to 510 bottles, but 
you get a chance to stop by, just get you a bottle of this, and you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, it's a uh, more details on it. So, thirteen-year-old uh, refill punchin. So, this is a um, refill cherry punchin. Nice. So, you get a lot of sherry on this. Yes, you do. Yeah, it complements the pee pretty good too. It does. It re- it marries well together. Like I said, I've had whiskeys where the the peat and the sherry fight each other. So. There are going to be some people who just don't like peat. I was one before, but mm. then slowly but surely, I was slowly introduced to different peats on a slow level parts per million to a higher level parts per million. How would I entice someone who's never had or who's had peat and they don't like peat to slowly get into peat? Yeah, uh, usually peat's a love-hate thing. And you're going to have some people that just aren't going to like it. We have a friend of ours at Stogies, and he mm-hmm. just said, nope, nope, nope. nope. Yeah. And I've tried to ease him into it. Um, once again, with scotch, you got all this variation, heavily peated to no peat and everything in between. So you get those lightly peated whiskeys. Highland Park 18, it's a little pricey, you know, for the average consumer. Um, Highland Park 12 is a good, good starting point. Um, Oban, mm-hmm. it's not heavily peated, but there's definitely peat on it. Uh, so you got these uh, offerings like that. Those two I would highly recommend. Okay. What about a Brooklady or something like that? Mm, Brooklady, uh, the regular Brooklady's don't have hardly any peat on it. Uh, their Port Charlotte is a mid-range peat, so it's on the level of like an Ardbeck 10. Okay. So it's not what I would call lightly peated. Okay. It's got a good pop to it. And then, of course, from there you go to the Octomore, which is just boom. Um, Highland Park, Oban, uh, Talisker, but Talisker also has that black pepper note from the distillate going on. It's got that seaside quality, which that's why I love Talisker, but that may be a little bit much. Okay. Um, But Highland Park, so. Okay, Highland Park. Highland Park. And if they don't like that, uh, then. It's not for them. Probably not going to happen. Okay. You know, so. All right. So now that we've moved back from from Pete and we're talking about different Pete, what is the oldest Pete, Peated whiskey that you've ever had? Um, old, oldest peated whiskey. I think it's that bottle that you and I shared a while back. Okay. Recently, the uh, no, I had a Brewer Thirty Eight. Oh yeah, but I do have a bottle of the Thirty Seven. <laughs> so amazing! He shared a Brewer Thirty Seven with me during my thirty seventh year of life. Amazing! Yeah. I'll never forget that one of those moments we talked about earlier. But yeah, I mean whiskey. This yeah. Is, just the things that we remember over whiskey. I don't think I've ever had a moment where I've forgotten things over whiskey unless I've just been just drunk or something. But <laughs> most of the times, it's always a pleasurable experience with good company. Yeah. Uh, I've had a couple of 50-year-olds, uh, but uh, they weren't peated. It was a, a Glenfiddich and a Balvenie 50. And, um, yeah. yeah, different experience, but, yeah, amazing. So for those who aren't really experienced with extremely old whiskey I guess my question would be you know how do we tell them what it's like to experience a a 30 year or 40 year old 37 year old 36 year old or 42 year old as opposed to the average offerings you'll see in a liquor store like a 12 or 14 or 21 that's going to vary with the with the product um uh, one of the tastings I went to early on I first met the, the group that we uh, started together um someone brought in an independent bottling of scotch uh, of a bunahaben 41 year old the first thing that seemed odd was a 41 year old why 41 and after tasting it 
which it was not good. It was not good at all. Nobody liked it. And then it became obvious that, yeah, it was 41 because somebody misplaced the barrel. Yeah. They found it and they're like, oh, crap, what do we do with this? I guess we better bottle it. But it was way, way past its prime. You know, if, if whiskey stays in a barrel too long, it's going to ruin it. Yeah. And that wasn't a, a case where, so a 41-year-old whiskey right there, no, it just, it wasn't good. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean i mean it, it's it, each thing's different i can't really answer that there's no real one set answer for that okay. um even with the like the balvenie 50 and the balvenie 40 it's a huge price difference there oh yeah but i like the 40 over the, the 50, 50. Yeah. yeah the 40 to me was just life-changing super super complex the type of whiskey i swear you just want to nose it for like 15 20 minutes before you take the first sip because it's that complex uh the 50 wasn't quite as complex. You know, maybe it was, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say anything. I just didn't. It, didn't it wasn't impre- for you. It, it wasn't for me. Okay. It wasn't for me. Yeah. And, uh, but that 40, oh my God. But everyone's experience is going to be different. It's just, if you have an opportunity to do so, absolutely. Try you know, it. Try yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, and your experience is going to be your own, you know. I actually have had some the greatest whiskey experiences with close friends trying things that I wouldn't try before. Do you think that being open-minded will, you know, open you up to more and more great experiences in whiskey? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And things you may not, you may try it once and you're like, Oh, I don't, I didn't like that too much. And okay, that's fair. Um, as you go on in your journey and you start, you know, trying different things, go back and revisit some of those older pours that you didn't like. You may be surprised to find that as your palate changes or as it develops, you now like it. Or you may like it even worse. (laughs) So there's a lot of snobbery going on, and I don't choose to pair with snobs or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes snobbery looks good, but sometimes it doesn't. I just prefer to avoid it all at, at all costs. But with that being said... I've experienced that there are some cheaper bottlings of scotch, bourbon, you know, that are actually a better value and taste better than some of your older, higher dollar bottles. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, and that's one thing that I like to, you know, try to teach new people. You know, it's like uh, especially some everyone has a different uh, income level. And some people can't afford certain things. And uh, so you try to dial them into what they can afford, you know, on what's their budget. And, yeah, there's plenty of great whiskey that isn't that expensive. Right. And uh, once again, you, you drink something and you get online and you're proud of it and you post it. Be proud of it. It's cool. Somebody poo-poo's on it, you know, screw them. Yeah. Develop a tough skin. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because you're going to get that no matter what. Oh, yeah. doesn't matter how high up you go and how experienced you get. There's always going to be somebody with more and better whiskey and have a— It's just the world we live in. Exactly. So just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Right. The whole idea is to enjoy your whiskey, how you like it, with whom you like it, Mm -hmm. where you like it, you know, in moderation, of course. But enjoy it, you know, definitely enjoy it. Share it with other people, you know, infect people. That's what I want this to be about. I want people to go around and say, hey, look, man, you know, I'm sure you haven't had this. But if you have, here's some more. If you haven't had it, enjoy. You know, Right, exactly. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Whiskey Smoke. We'd like to thank Jesse Wood for coming in and bringing this incredible whiskey and sitting down and talk with us. 
As always, good whiskey, cigars, and good company. Cheers, Jesse. Cheers. Thank you, man. Tune in for new episodes every Wednesday at 8 on Vinyl Draft Radio. Follow us on Instagram and stop by thewhiskeysmoke.com to learn more. The Whiskey Smoke is a Vinyl Draft Radio production. The Whiskey Smoke with Yuante Curry is brought to you by El Cubano Cigars, League City. Go to elcubanocigars.com or call 281-332-9096.